Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Good morning and welcome to Salt and Light. I'm Pastor Randy Mitchell, joined by my trusty sidekick, Brother Max Robinson. And uh, we are very, very happy to be with you here today. Brother Max, uh, good morning to you. It's been... um, few weeks before you've been uh, co-host here on Salt and Light. We've had a number of different preachers that have been on the broadcast, and so it's good to have you back. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. We are live here this morning. We bright and early. Bright and early, yeah. Normally, uh, some, some of our listeners may not realize that uh, normally we do pre-record this broadcast, but we are live today. Uh, last week was Thanksgiving week, and so uh, we weren't able to come in and pre-record the broadcast, so we're up here bright and early this morning. I'm doing well. I'm feeling pretty good. Got up pretty early uh, this morning, even though I didn't necessarily get to bed early, but I feel great, and I'm glad to be here, and um, hopefully the Lord will bless this Salt and Light broadcast here today. All right. So uh, we, last week, we talked about um, our midweek service being moved to Tuesday, and that was last week, folks. I'm not talking about this week at Temple. But the reason I'm mentioning it, mentioning it is because last Tuesday we had a visitor that came in for our Thanksgiving service on Tuesday because earlier that morning I had mentioned it on the radio. And so I was pretty excited about that. You know, we talk about things going on at Temple Baptist Church, and sometimes we don't know who's out there listening, but we actually got uh, a response to that, and that was uh, pretty pretty cool to be honest with you and so uh, let's ride that wave here and I know you are our leader of our master club program we talk about this a lot on salt and light whenever you're a guest with us and uh, so we've got a Wednesday night program for young people and so let's give it a commercial real quick brother Max yes on Wednesday nights we do our master clubs ages from three years old and we have special classes for that age bracket three four and five years old so then we get into first through sixth grade and we have two more classes that divide those up first second third fourth fifth and sixth and it is a great time we have an assembly time we we do some songs and my wife and Brittany help with all that and they do a great job and we challenge the kids with some certain things during the the year and we've been doing the books of the bible but we've also been doing some Old Testament sequencing, which is used at regionals. So Masters Club does a regionals every year. It's a competition for all these age brackets. Uh, It's games, it's preaching, it's puppets, it's all kinds of things. And so we And that's where our kids compete against kids from other churches churches all in this region. Right. And that's always a great time. It is. And we have some other things planned. We're going to do a little boxcar races here in January, and just a lot of different things that we do. Brother Mac does a great job teaching a Bible lesson to the kids as well, and it's important we have that in there. And uh, we do a lot for our 
our kids yeah. at, at Temple, and others are invited to come. Our, our doors open to invite kids, bring kids, and we'd like to see them. I know just from a pastor's standpoint, I you know a, a pastor is always excited when the children's ministries are going well, when the kids are happy to be at church, they're engaged, involved in what's going on, and uh, there's just some really good things going on at Temple. And we've even had three-year-olds get up on the platform. We have a, at the end of Master Club, we all get together and we have, everybody gets their badges and their awards that they've earned that week. And so we do that publicly at the, uh, the last 10, 15 minutes of our Wednesday night service. And we've had three-year-olds get up on the platform publicly and um, give the books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Voluntarily. Voluntarily. We don't push them, and their getting their award is not dependent on that. They want to do it. Yeah. And they have done an amazing job. And I, the, the work the teachers have done, and look, the parents. Parents, your involvement in your children's life and their development is critical. And seeing the kids achieve, uh, children achieving in their Christian life and walk with God requires parent involvement. It just does. And yeah. I am thankful to see our parents wanting to, not just feeling obligated to. Yeah. They want to. Well, between that and our Sunday school ministry, which uh, likewise, our kids have a great time in Sunday school, but it's not all about fun and games. They are learning the Bible. And I do a kids lesson Sunday nights, um, you know, five, 10 minutes part of the Sunday evening service and all the kids come up front and I'll ask them questions about their Sunday school lesson or different things about the Bible. And boy, those kids, their hands are shooting yeah. up and they're answering it right. And they're, it's really, really exciting. And so uh, we're saying all of this because we want to invite you, if you uh, don't have a church that you attend or if you attend a, a church that does not have a midweek uh, program for children, uh, we would love for you to come as well. Uh, we are not trying to proselyte anyone away from their church to come to our church. We just simply want to help children. And when we help children in their relationship with Jesus Christ and learning the Bible, we believe that we're helping families. And so uh, we don't, we're not just trying to help Temple Baptist Church. We're trying to help all the people here in the community. And uh, we believe with all of our heart that the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God, the Bible, are the most essential things in helping people. And that's what's wrong with our country today. We've left our roots and uh, we are suffering because of it. Kids are growing up in very dysfunctional homes and having to suffer and go through some things that, uh, that no one should have to go through emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, and so forth. And uh, we've got the answer and uh, we invite you to come and uh, to be part of it so that we can uh, be a help and a blessing to you. Well, we are uh, going to talk today about a couple things. Really, today is not salt and light. It's light and salt. We're going to talk, first of all, about the light. We do have a salty topic coming up. All right. I'm not going to announce it yet. I will after when we get time for that. Uh, we're going to tell you what our salt topic is today. But we're going to start out with light. And um, our light topic today is victory in Jesus. And that's certainly one of my favorite hymns that we sing. I know that one by heart. I'm going to spare all the listeners me singing it, but... Um, no, go ahead. No, I will not do that. Oh, I can't. It's too early in the morning. <laughs> Besides that, my wife would shoot me. 
I think Joe wants to sing it. Joe, uh, Joe wants to sing it. Okay. <laughs> sing it. You could sing it with your weather report. <laughs> Anyhow, Victory in Jesus. Uh, I am glad, Brother Max, that that's not just a song that we sing, but it's a truth that we should be able to live by. And we can live by it because there is victory in Jesus Christ. You preached on this at Temple Baptist here a couple Sunday nights ago. And so uh, introduce what we're going to talk about after the break here. We've got about 20 seconds left before the break. And so let our listeners know what we're going to be talking about. Well, we're going to look at victory in our, our daily life, our spiritual life, and affliction. All right. Sounds great, folks. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be talking about this right after the break. back we're going to look at some things regarding victory and uh, you know when we look at victory we're going to look at it in a view of Christians of being a Christian and hopefully those if we have some listeners that aren't saved that they'll consider this I mean we have a tremendous thing in Christ and you know, there's things, the first aspect of this is just daily life. Daily life and things in this life that affect the unbeliever, the non-Christian, those that aren't born again, affect the believer, the saved, in the mm-hmm. same exact way. They're just things in life. Uh, for instance, if you have a good government or bad government, Bible even teaches it. If It impacts both, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just things in life. I mean, there are sicknesses that go around. We One that's been a conversation of a lot of people is when we had, what, five, six weeks of no rain in Statesville area. And it was dry, and it was affecting people's sinuses, uh, yards, all kinds of various things, and impacted believers and unbelievers. And so you, it's undeniable that an aspect of just daily life, there are things that impact both. A um, couple verses. I, I want to the first one, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And it's a, it's a fundamental truth, our faith for the believer, those that put their faith in Jesus Christ, that the world, and there are so many aspects of this world. One is just the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. It is corrupt. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's corrupt, but we just came through Thanksgiving and I know uh, Joe was even talking, he had a great time with family and, and we did, and I know you did. And for a Christian, a believer, even though the world around us, the things going on in Israel, other horrific things that we're still able to thank God for his goodness. You know, I think that I think that's something I enjoy about the Thanksgiving season is because uh, you know, the holiday and just everything to me personally draws attention toward gratitude and and focusing on Thanksgiving helps me overcome. You know, you just read about what how do we overcome this world? We do it by our faith in Jesus Christ. 
And so uh, it, it gives me a break from all of the different defeats that are going on all around us, the things that both believer and unbeliever have to go through in this evil world. And, you know, Brother Max, I wanted to mention this, too, is that there are ministries out there, some of the most popular, well-known ministries. You'll find these preachers on television. They author books and so forth. A majority of these very popular very successful ministries focus on this concept that if you will be a believer in Jesus, if you will send their ministry money, then your life will just be wonderful. Everything will just be peachy and you won't have problems. You'll be healthy. You'll be wealthy and all of these things. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, according to the scripture and according to honest observation, they are a bunch of liars. They're, they are not telling the truth from the Scripture. Uh, the Scripture says that God sends his reign on the just and the unjust. Right. We all go through the same thing. And the issue isn't that we don't go through conflict or sorrow or grief or battles, challenges, whatever you want to label it. That's not the issue. The issue is, do we make it through it? Do we survive? Do we thrive? And there is victory to be found in Jesus Christ. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is people all around us are living very defeated lives. Right. You see it on their faces. You go to Walmart and just look around and you don't see many people, even during the holiday season. Sometimes this holiday season from Thanksgiving through New Year's is, uh, you know, sometimes it's a time of partying. We're gonna be talking about that here in just a little while and celebrations and so forth. but. Uh, for more people than than not, it's a time of depression, and there's so many pressures in life that are magnified during these holiday seasons, and maybe even the loss of a loved one in the previous year, and they're no longer here for these special sentimental times, and it can weigh really, really heavy, and uh, people can often let depression and grief and all of these things defeat them and not realizing that there's a way bigger picture there and that victory can be found in Jesus Christ. Exactly. And this, the text, the, the a key word in there that uh, I, I think should be given some attention is the word overcome. So to your point, you know, a lot of modern teaching is you, you get saved, you're a Christian, your life's just perfect. There is no trouble. There is nothing. Well, no, the word here says overcome. Mm -hmm. That means you are going to go and experience difficulties. We, we are not in a bubble. We are not impervious to things around us. Uh, I've been in Statesville, uh, this is my second Thanksgiving, and both Thanksgivings we have had loss of loved ones of people in our church at this time. Mm -hmm. It's sad. Mm -hmm. They've not been impervious to some hardship but they have not been defeated. They've been able to overcome through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that is the difference. That is the thing. He gives us the grace to overcome these hardships. We're not defeated. We're not destroyed by them. It's not that we do not feel them. Christ felt all these things, he said. Yeah. But he got victory on the cross. Well, and that's why you were talking about a funeral. I just preached a funeral just a few days ago. And... Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, talking about the rapture and the resurrection and so forth. And it has a phrase in there that says 
that we sorrow not as others which have no hope. We sorrow. A believer and unbeliever, we all sorrow, but the believer is able to go through sorrow and grief with hope that they're going to see their loved one again if they were born again. And so we all go through these things. Um, and, he, you know, here's an interesting concept, Brother Max. Uh, the, the health and wealth preachers that I was talking about, the liars I was talking about earlier wouldn't appreciate me saying this. But the fact of the matter is, is if you are looking for Christianity to be a solution to your circumstantial problems today, you may have a rude awakening because even like the Apostle Paul in the Scripture, sometimes you get saved, your circumstantial problems just begin because then you're in a spiritual warfare. And so knowing that, you know, a lot of preachers aren't going to say that because it's like who's going to respond to the invitation call when you, you know, when you preach to them and say, hey, come and trust Christ as your Savior and your problems will just begin. Right. <laughs> no one's going to respond to that, but literally there is some truth to that. Sometimes getting born again is not going to relieve any of your circumstantial problems. It can in some cases, and I've seen this, I've experienced this, it can make your circumstantial problems worse, but... Uh, your spiritual problems, your eternal problems are, you talk about victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Paul said, if we have uh, hope in this world only, we are of all men most miserable. And so the problem is most people are living for the here and the now instead of the there and the then. And so we have victory. And, uh, you know, someone once said that God is not going to deliver us from our problems, but he will deliver us through our problems. And I know personally I've had situations that I thought, oh, this one's going to this one's going to destroy me. This is the end. I'm not going to make it through this. And you know how it is. You have those sleepless nights and those all night prayer meetings. And, you know, this is it. It's over. And then morning comes. You just keep breathing. You just keep moving. <laughs> and next thing you know, a few days later or a few weeks later, sometimes even a few months later, you find, well, God was faithful and he got me through it when I didn't think that he could. And he's always been faithful, and he always gives the victory. Well, we, um, we need to segue into our SALT topic now because we've got a couple more segments left, and we need to have some time. We'll come back to this victory concept here at the end of the broadcast. But our, uh, our SALT topic here today, folks, is something that is very relevant to the holiday season. Uh, holiday season is a time when, uh, according to the um, statistics, and this is from authoritative websites, that from Thanksgiving t through New Year's, that the alcohol industry, that they literally, about 30% of their sales happen during this 8% time of the year. And so uh, alcohol use, consumption, and so forth is tripled, a little bit more than tripled, than it is the rest of the time of the year. Interesting concept because Christmas is the time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And what does the majority of the world around us do? They just say, well, let's just go get drunk or let's go get a buzz. And alcohol becomes a necessary part of their quote unquote happiness and celebration during that time. And, you know, we need to deal with this because the Bible is very clear on alcohol 
and sadly there are so many lies that are being spread people i talk to people all the time that have a viewpoint of alcohol that is so they think that they're okay because you know what does everybody say well jesus drank wine and that is the that's what they say one every time christian yeah I, I tell people i said you know here's my bible right here if you'll show me that in my bible i'll eat it Literally, I will eat this book right here if you could show me a place that it says that Jesus drank wine. I can show you several times where he said, no, I'm not going to, but you can't find a single place where it says that he did. So, uh, you know, there's a challenge right there. Show me where he did it all. My my father-in-law, when he mentored me, used to say that. Let's caveat that that in the King James Bible. Okay, in the King James Bible. there could be a translation out there somebody's created. Or now that I issued this challenge, somebody will create a new one. And, you know, there's the problem right there is that man man wants what he wants. And so, you know, the, the Word of God is typically not the authority. It's like, I'm going to figure out a way to get what I want and make the Bible match me rather than me change to match the Bible. Right. And so that's a very important truth. So if you really care about what the Word of God says, then stay tuned. We're going to give you some proof text out of the scripture, and then you can uh, consider it for yourself and hopefully make the right decisions for your own good and benefit. Welcome back to Salt and Light, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18, the Word of God, and uh, that's what we are promoting here today, not our opinion, but the Bible. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, We are talking today about the use of alcohol. This is the holiday season. We've already mentioned that during this time from Thanksgiving to New Year's, that alcohol consumption is over tripled and uh, these are from very reliable statistics this isn't just some baptist preacher trying to you know embellish the statistics to to match what we want to say and talk about and so uh, it is a problem and you know with that uh, duis and all the things that uh, go along with alcohol consumption Uh, The reason that all of the alcohol manufacturers promote this, you know, drink responsibly thing is because they don't want to take responsibility for uh, all the different heartache and problems that they um, are contributing to. And so it's really an amazing concept that they say, uh, drink our beverage responsibly when their beverage from the very first sip starts to make people irresponsible that's you know one of the 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 effects of it not a side effect it's the effect that most people are absolutely looking for it makes a person feel different it certainly affects people's judgment and uh, according to uh, to their statistics and their science if you want to call it that uh, they say that from the very first sip that it starts affecting you Now, Ephesians 5.18, Brother Max says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. So many people believe that that's a proof text saying that it's okay to drink as long as you don't get drunk. And what they don't realize is that the excess in that verse is talking about the wine, not the drunkenness. 
because later on in First um, Peter in the scripture talks about excess of riot. You know, is it okay to have a you know do a little bit of rioting? Just right. don't do too much. You know, so if you use the Bible to interpret the Bible, then obviously the language there is not saying what maybe some people would think that it's saying. You have to take the Bible as a whole you have to take the other passages of scripture and proverbs chapter 20 verse number one i don't even have to look at my notes or turn there i memorized this one a long time ago proverbs 20 verse number one says wine is a mocker strong drink is raging that that word raging means lunacy it's insanity strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now, God put that in there for a reason, that the deception of alcohol is a very strong uh, influential factor. And if you don't have an authority as to what we should think about it, what we should do with this topic, then uh, we are going to be naturally and easily deceived into thinking that, hey, it's okay, it's no big deal. Now, people are gonna do what they wanna do, Brother Max, I know that. And so there are probably many listeners, people that are hearing us that are gonna say, ah, uh, who cares? I don't care what that preacher has to say. I understand that. But if you care about what the Bible says and, and the Bible is what you're living your life by, then rest assured, you can't have it both ways because what the world thinks out there and even the average Christian thinks that, hey, it's no big deal. but they are ignoring so much of the Word of God. Well, <laughs> to go on with what you're saying, I mean, if we look at it that way as well with the fact that if we say, well, I don't care what you're saying, well, you're just saying what God has said. This is God's Word. This is His truth that He has imparted to mankind. And if the world, those that are lost, don't want to heed the instruction, well, He has said His sheep, right? they know my voice, they're going to follow me, then if that is true, we're going to want to hear what the shepherd has to say. We're going to want to know how to live our life in a manner that's pleasing to him and not just pleasing to him, that we're going to be able to be uh, productive, successful in our Christian life, not in a worldly sense, but in the Christian work and ministry. And he has clearly given us instruction you read the verse about being filled with the Spirit. It's very clearly in the text, in context, talking about the Holy Spirit of God, right? Yeah, it's, it's talking about what you're being controlled by. Right, and so, and so we're supposed it. to be Spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-filled. It's interesting that so much of the liquors and alcohols out there are refuted to spirits. Yeah. It, it, the irony or whatever you want to use to it's uncanny mm-hmm. how your many will argue this this book's not relevant today it doesn't apply today I, I, it's clearly it does yeah. god has given us warning and what we are as a christian how our life is supposed to be and warning against that uh, it, there's there's numerous things look at all the country music songs so many of them talk about alcohol use and what it does to you. And you referred to that. They themselves know that it has a an effect and in, in causes you to do certain things that you normally would not do. Yeah, I know even country western singer Thomas Rhett, very popular, won a lot of awards uh, even among the Christian community. And this is a professing Christian. 
he sang he wrote a song and you know had to do i don't know the title of it but it had to do with if i could have a beer with jesus and from a christian standpoint that's a blasphemous song you know jesus is not going to sit down with anyone and have a beer with them you know that uh, he would be he would be on the radio he'd be saying what we're saying because he knows that with the use of alcohol comes all kinds of sinful behavior and the people who use alcohol if they're honest with themselves they would admit that you know what this has affected my behavior my judgment and some people think oh you're just a baptist preacher you don't know what you're talking about well i'm just going to say publicly that in my high school years i was not right with god i was a backslidden christian i was saved i talked about this last week or a couple weeks ago on salt and light and 30 days after i graduated from high school i got a dui and so i i know what i'm talking about i know the evil effects of alcohol but the difference between me and the average listener here today is that i faced it and i understood that you know what it's, it's not just, the, I can't blame my behavior on the alcohol, but the alcohol certainly limited my judgment and my inhibition, and it kind of released me. That's what I liked about it as a teenager. It just released me. That buzz made me feel better and all of that stuff. But what it did is it released me to do the things that everybody else around me was doing. And I've got some things in life, some guilt and shame and regret of things that I did, and some of it could um, certainly be justified that alcohol caused it or certainly contributed to it. And and mine's just, you know, a DUI is, is like light change compared to what some people have to suffer uh, because of the results of uh, alcohol use and abuse. And so there's a lot of heartache, a lot of grief that's out there. And so the Bible is very clear. Wine is a mocker strong drink is raging. And so uh, for sake of time here, Brother Max, for those uh, Bible scholars out there, and listen, when it comes to the use of alcohol, I find that many people become Bible scholars when they want to justify their behavior. And, uh, and I've heard this, well, Jesus drank wine. Jesus turned water into wine. It's okay to drink as long as you don't get drunk and so forth. And how about where Paul said to Timothy, a little wine for thy stomach's sake and so forth. And uh, they can quote you all those scriptures, but none of them have memorized Proverbs 20, verse number one, and they fail to realize. And folks, here's, here's the big kicker. You need to pay attention to this. Wine in the Bible there is no, the word juice does not appear in the scripture, okay? The word for juice is wine. And so when you read about wine in the Bible, it can be uh, alcohol wine or it can be grape juice. How do we know that? Well, listen to the word of God. It says in Isaiah 65, verse number eight, thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster. All right, that's in the cluster of grapes. So that juice that is squeezed out of that cluster is referred to as wine in the Bible. It was a social drink back in Bible days. Hey, they didn't have sweet tea. They didn't have Mountain Dew. All right, they didn't have all of the different sweet. You know, typically human nature is we we drink enjoyable beverages at social gatherings and get-togethers. Sometimes it's saved for that. I grew up with Kool-Aid, right. <laughs> but, you know, you, you had it in a powder. But when you go back to Bible days, 
they didn't have the products that we have today. If they wanted a sweet, enjoyable, tasty beverage, all that they had was the juice that came from the cluster. And so, yes, not all, most wine in Bible days and even history proves this out, that it was not fermented, it wasn't alcohol. And that which was alcohol, here's something that most people don't realize, they didn't have the technology of distilling that didn't come along. You know, it was invented in, Fran- in France, I think, in maybe four or 500 A.D., after Christ. Back in the Bible days, the, the amount of alcohol, the alcohol content that they could get, and it still be basically palatable, you know, without it just tasting like drinking rubbing alcohol, was about 2%. That's way less. I mean, that's... Nowadays, beer and alcohol is what, six, seven, eight percent? Very high. So it was much less even back in those days. And so these are truths that are undeniable, irrefutable, but most people don't realize it. And alcohol today has become more than a beverage. It's a culture. It's almost, it's a, it's something that, it's a badge that you're either in or you're out. And for many people, they feel like that they have to be part of that to not suffer rejection. And I've experienced that as a Christian. If I don't participate in even other believers' social drinking, whether it be at a wedding or a party or whatnot, then you're kind of, uh, you're stigmatized. And you know what, folks? I, I really don't care about any of that. I'm gonna, you know, Jesus is the one that saved me and he delivered me from Uh, All of that, and it is nonsense, and I'm glad for that, and I'm thankful that we, that I've gotten some victory in my life over that, and that's why I want to preach against it, because I know that there's so much heartache and so many problems that are out there because of the use of alcohol. And so the Bible is pretty crystal clear about it, folks. Um, uh, The Bible, if you take it in general, you'll find that there's so many things negative that God says about the use of alcohol. It impairs judgment, it's addicting, and uh, it will cause all kinds of horrible things in your life. And uh, we just hope that you'll consider what the Bible has to say rather than what everybody else around us is doing. Welcome back, folks. We are talking about the use of alcohol during the holiday seasons in light of what the Word of God says. And so uh, we've talked about what people think that the Bible says. Um, Jesus, quote unquote, drank wine. And uh, I, I said I didn't necessarily prove all of it from the Word of God, but certainly we issued a challenge that uh, someone can find that in the King James Version of the Bible. Then. Uh, uh, will uh, I'll eat my Bible, and that's a pretty big challenge there. It doesn't, I mean, I like to read my Bible, but it doesn't look very delicious to eat. But, uh, I, you know, I've searched through it, and I feel pretty confident that uh, you're not going to find a place where it actually says that Jesus drank wine. We know that he turned water to wine, but we've also showed last segment 
that there's two different kinds of wine in the Bible, uh, new wine, which is found in the cluster, it's grape juice, and then, of course, the fermented wine. And the Bible says all kinds of things about uh, fermented wine and its effect. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse number one, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. We find places in the Word of God where it says that uh, wine destroys the heart. We find in Proverbs 31 that it perverts judgment. And uh, it, it was said that, uh, I believe it was Solomon, uh, King Lemuel, that uh, his mother said to him, don't drink wine, don't drink strong drink, it'll pervert your judgment, and you're in a position of leadership, and you need to have your judgment. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Right. Uh, it promotes poverty. There's all kinds of negative effects. It causes people to get into fights, causes people to say things that they would never have said otherwise. Uh, it causes all kinds of sexual sins. Uh, people have oftentimes been unfaithful to their spouse, and they could blame it that they didn't have the, uh, the uh, judgment to say no to that because they were inebriated, they were drunk, and so they ended up committing uh, fornication or adultery. Uh, there are all kinds of uh, horrible sexual sins that take place in people's homes, uh, children being abused, and uh, it wouldn't have happened and there wasn't alcohol involved. Uh, physical abuse, you know, how many people uh, have been, how many children have been uh, struck or uh, hurt by their parents whenever they are drunk with alcohol? It's a horrible thing. The Bible makes it clear. Honest observation makes it clear, and yet, Brother Max, we find in today's society, even Christians, um, I know preachers that are proud of their social drinking, that, hey, there's nothing wrong with having a beer or a glass of wine, and, uh, you know, what do you say to that person that, you know, there are people out there that do, uh, are able to say no and not just, you know, get all... Um, uh, drunk and and so forth. They can just stop after one or two. What, what do we say to that quote-unquote Christian who thinks that, hey, there's nothing wrong with this? Well, it may not sound gracious, but I would call him a fool. Uh, look, I, I am one that uh, grew up in a home where the early years of my parents, it was a destructive force, alcohol. It was horrible. I it, you know, I'm not trying to belittle my dad. My dad got victory over it. Mm -hmm. He overcame it. Mm -hmm. But there was, there were times my mom didn't know how she was going to put food on the table because the money was gone. It was drank away at night. It, it was it was a horrible thing. There were things that were not being done. Their their life, their marriage was on the verge of a path of destruction and. And I have never seen any good out of it. And so you can say, yes, I don't have a problem with it, but I'd say somebody, a Christian that is a leader and influence, there are dozens for everyone that thinks they can that can't. And our family couldn't, and I couldn't. And I ignored the Word of God because of Christians that were, oh, we, we moderately drink, it's okay. And I had that influence in my life, and it was okay. Well, I started going down a path, and it was destroying my marriage, mm -hmm. my life, and creating an addiction. And I remember, brother, driving down the road, drunk out of my mind, praying to God not to kill me. 
Mm. You know, that was selfish on my part. What about all those around me? What about my children? What about my wife? What about the innocent lady in the car? You know, we don't think about any of those things. Mm -hmm. We think about us selfishly. Well, I can handle it, and if I can, well, the Apostle Paul gave us clear as leaders in a church and ministry, okay, all things are expedient for me, but I'm not going to do them because how it's going to impact others negatively. Yeah. I had an eighth grade Sunday school teacher. My dad pastored in, uh, you know, a little town of Horseshoe Bend yeah. outside of Boise, a little logging town. And my eighth grade, when I was in eighth grade, my Sunday school teacher, he was also the church song leader. And he said in our Sunday school class, uh, he was uh, a proponent that, hey, it's okay to, to drink a little bit, to drink a glass of wine or to drink a beer as long as you don't get drunk. Well, first of all, my dad, who was the preacher, he preached against it. He taught, you know, and he was, I grew up with him drinking beer. He got right with God, and so he was preaching the truth of the Scripture. First of all, how unethical is it for a Sunday school teacher to teach one thing to to, to the teenagers that the pastor is teaching something else? Now, I'm a teenager. I'm not thinking that way. I'm just like, whoa, wow, this is, this is different. But it caused confusion, and it sowed a seed, and it wasn't too many years later when I'm in, uh, in ninth grade that I started thinking, well, maybe he's right. And that's when I took that first drink. And that's when I became the Bible scholar, and I would tell her, well, Jesus drank wine. And I'm just repeating everything that everybody else was saying. I didn't read it out of the Scripture. I just grabbed a hold of something that said what I wanted it to say. And the rest is history. A lot of heartache that came because of that. And I'm glad that I did get victory over it as well. And it caused me grief. It caused me problems. When I got that DUI 30 days after I graduated from high school, I stopped drinking for about a year, Brother Max. And, but I wasn't right with God. I just stopped drinking because it caused me problems. And, uh, but I didn't get long-term victory over it because my motives were all just very selfish. It's like, well, I'm doing this, this for me. It wasn't until I got right with God and realized that, hey, the things that I'm doing, they're not just hurting me and the people around me, they're hurting my Savior. And the Bible says clearly, and folks, if, regardless of what you think about what we've said here this morning, the Bible says quite clearly whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Right. We talked about Christians who think it's okay to have a little social drink. What about the influence? You, let's say most people that say that they never get drunk, that they're just, they're not being honest. They get buzzed and they don't just stop after one and just do it socially. Most of them are dishonest about that, but even the ones that are, what about the effect? You may be able to handle it, but what about your children? What about those that are being influenced by you? And we all have influence. And so I think it's something that everyone, I don't think, I know that it's something that everyone listening, every believer in Christ certainly should uh, reconsider their position on this and say, hey, you know what? I can't do this to the glory of God. 
uh, I need to change my thinking. We're about out of time, Brother Max. Any last thoughts? Well, I would just say this. If anybody wants to continue to uh, try and excuse drinking and things like that, I, I and if others are seriously looking, I, I would encourage them, take this King James Bible, look at every instance of this, and you're going to find, as you already said, there's a difference between alcoholic beverage, strong drink, and new wine, and the context gives the instruction and the dangers and the warnings for each. And clearly, Old Testament into New, God had his people that were called out and separate, the Nazarite, the priests, which we are priests of God now as Christians mm -hmm. in his, his kingdom, the kingdom of God, serving him, that alcoholic wine was not to be partaken of by his people clearly in scripture yeah leviticus 10 verse number 9 says quite clearly do not drink wine nor strong drink thou nor thy sons with thee yep. says it quite clearly you or your family uh, i don't believe that any christian needs to or should have it in their home uh, and should participate in it and listen this holiday season it's supposed to be about the birth of Jesus Christ. It's right. supposed to be about family. There are some happy things that it can be about. And you know what? What are we saying if we have to have a crutch, if we have to have a beverage to feel good? Look, if you have to have a beverage to feel good, then remember what our opening text here said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God can give you joy and peace and you don't need drugs or alcohol you don't need things that are just going to cause you more grief you can be happy you can have joy in jesus christ why because there is victory in jesus christ god bless you folks we appreciate you taking the time to join us at salt and light it is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you and he died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust him as your savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible and get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.